welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is my fabulous co-host, Court Winsett. Good morning, Katie. I almost Katie. forgot your name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I obviously need some more caffeine. And Cameron Spann. Hello. <laughs> okay, uh, it's kind of fitting that I'm saying I need some more caffeine because this episode is about work-life balance. And maybe I need to, what is it when you like, I guess rebalance, right? Yeah, rebalance. <laughs> I need to rebalance some things. Get my chakra in order. Is that mm. what they say? Like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I say, but yeah, you know, you go with you. You do you, Katie. <laughs> you do you, boo. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're talking about a work-life balance, and that is the importance of having you know hobbies outside of the office, and that well, more the- than more than just having hobbies, but also if you have a family, spending time with your family, yeah. having having an actual life outside the office, I think is the idea. I wouldn't know. I don't have a work-life balance. So, yeah, it's kind do of, any of us know? <laughs> no, it's a little hypocritical that we're doing this, but I mean, it, it is important. And I know we've kind of touched on this in previous episodes, but yeah, I think it would be family is important and having just that balance between doing your job, but there's always going to be more things that need to be done. And I think especially this time of year, actually, my mom and dad were having a conversation because Christmas time, there's so much on the to-do list. You got to get this area decorated, that area decorated. You got to buy these presents, get the meals ready, do this. And sometimes it turns into so much more stress and there isn't that balance between like, hey, what is this for? And so that small little nugget of how people feel in December should be rolled throughout the entire year of juggling. Your to-do list is always going to be overflowing, but how are you juggling that? I'm not saying the extreme opposite of like, oh, well, my to-do list is always going to be there. Let's just blow off work and go do stuff. Before we begin the meat and potatoes, or the list, I should say, I dropped a bomb on Katie and Court before we sat down. Baby. (laughs) I am proposing a new segment, not necessarily every week, but a reoccurring segment Mm -hmm. that has to do with our ups and downs for the week since we recorded last. It doesn't have an official name. I'm thinking like weekly volatility for now, but we'd love Ooh, to hear. I like that. We'd love to hear from our guests. If y'all have a better suggestion, let us know. But basically, it's like we're stocks. Like, what is our volatility? That's right. What's the, the up- market of life? <laughs> Ooh. We'll go round robin our upswing for the week and our downswing. Mm. Court, what you got? You're going to start with Eeyore over here. You're going to start with the guy that's like, I don't know, ups, I have no idea, downs, all of them, all of the times. I mean, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's hard for me to pinpoint. Your I guess, ups should be like hanging out with us, doing a recording. Sure. Your kids were in town. <laughs> my kids were in town. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day, your- I guess, was my up for the week. And then, you know, I, I got not just my kids in town, but obviously over the course of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I got to spend a lot of time with my in-laws, my siblings, my children, my nieces and nephews. So all in all, I got to see a lot of, of family. Anybody that knows me knows that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So that holds true to this day. This Thanksgiving did not prove any any different than any of the others. It's still my favorite. So what's that, your down? That, well, downs would be all of the other times. <laughs> On brand. Stock cam. Okay, my upswing for the week would be Mississippi State won the Egg Bowl. Woo! That was a messy game, but man, that put me in a good mood. And Cowboys won that day. Yeah, it was, it was great Thanksgiving. football. Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was wonderful. Okay, my downswing. This, this is this is good times. In our last episode, we talked about putting up Christmas decorations early, right? That was our big mm. debate. Uh-huh. And I always said that the spans do it after Thanksgiving. Well, this time, the kids pressured Abby and I to go get a tree and decorate, right? 
before Thanksgiving. Uh-oh. And Abby and I were not feeling it. We were irritable. You know, I got off work. I was tired. But we did it anyways, which was a big mistake. So we went to Lowe's and we got a 10-foot tree, which is huge. We never get a tree that big. 10 foot? That Ooh. is where that that is enormous. Lowe's, okay, Clark Griswold. I know Lowe's had an incredible stock. It was great. So we brought it home and we set it up in the tree stand. We put all the lights on it, all the ribbon. We put all 200 ornaments on there, and we put the angel on top. And we sat back to marvel it. And the thing fell over. <gasps> it was too big for the tree stand. Oh, no. Nothing broke but ornaments everywhere. Water was in the stand and it went everywhere. all over the wooden floors. Please yeah. tell me you have a picture of this. No. Because you were just so angry. I can just, I can just now laugh about it, but oh, it really pissed me off. Mm. So we just sat there. You know when something bad happens and you just stare and you're like, what do we do? Yeah. So we ended up undecorating it, taking the tree out, drying off the wooden floor, and then the next day bringing it back in. So we get Did to decorate. Did you get a new stand? Yes. Okay. Got, got a new stand. stand. So okay. that was my down swing for the week. Never decorate before Thanksgiving. We learned our lesson. <laughs> that was the that was the 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 spirit of Thanksgiving smiting you it for sure for decorating was. before yeah. Thanksgiving. I feel like uh, some oh fudge oh. was said. Oh, a little more than that. <laughs> Katie, what's your upswing for the week? Upswing would be uh, this past weekend. I got to help decorate uh, nine out of ten trees at Memphis Oral School for the Deaf, and that's something that my mom's been doing. Gosh, I mean, probably 10 years, maybe. Um, That's a lot of trees. Yeah, she does a lot of trees. She does little individualized trees for each of the classes for the kids. And um, if you don't know anything, a little plug about Memphis Oral School for the Deaf. They do not teach sign language. They hope that they're, it's a preschool, and they hope that kids will then be able to be integrated into, quote unquote, normal elementary schools. So it's a really cool place. But yeah, that, that kind of gives you in the feels. It was decorated after Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that that was happy moments for sure. My down. <laughs> this just happened last night. So I was been watching The Good Wife, which that came on years ago. I think it ended in 2016, like, 17, something like that. Um, but Juliana Margulies. Yes. And it's, I mean, it's got uh, the boyfriend from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. It's got Logan from Gilmore Girls. So it sucked me in with this great cast. And I loved it because it kind of had a nod to um, Boston Legal-ish and just a great lawyer show. But there was, I mean, it was just a good show. Like, it was good to have in the background while I'm doing stuff. And has never made me cry. Never been one of those shows. Because, you know, you've got those shows where it's just like emotional heartstring. So last night I was, you know, had in the background watching a couple episodes and then just kind of rolled over. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to try and fall asleep with it playing in the background. And then I hear something and I'm like, oh, what is that? And I roll over and then now I'm awake and sobbing because this episode has, this show has failed me now because it made it all this time. It's been great. And then there's this tearjerker episode and it was back in 2013, and so I have nobody I can talk to about it because, like, they're all like, oh, yeah, that's old news. That happened in 2013. But it's just, it's it's stuck with me because I know it's not real, but that character, like, why'd they do that? Why? I mean, it was bad. It's quite the downside. Because the actor <laughs> left the show, Katie. And they, yeah, I finally, they, they, I Googled that, yeah, his contract was up. He didn't <laughs> want to be on there. But I'm like, why do you have to do us that way? And apparently there's, like... Two or three more seasons after this, but I'm done. I really don't know that I'm going to go back to it just because they did me so wrong. Mm. It, it was it was rough. And they like just kept sticking the knife in there like, oh, yeah, remember, he's dead. He's dead. I'm like, 
what is wrong with you people? Now, granted, it was like 3.30 in the morning, so I could have been very like sleep deprived and just, yeah. And that's your volatility <laughs> of the week. I am very volatile this week, okay? All right, let's start this list of um, unexpected and strange celebrity holidays. Holiday. Hobbies. Hobbies. <laughs> Gosh, y'all. Okay. So sometimes I feel like we, we've got to, to make it a point to explain to people how we came up with the list. And of course, this would be like work life balance. Mm-hmm. So, we're the idea that you need hobbies outside of your job. And what are some crazy <laughs> celebrity holidays? Hobbies. hobbies. What are some crazy <laughs> celebrity hobbies? We need some work-life balance here. Mm. Okay, uh, Nicole Kidman, skydiving. It's the closest thing to flying. So, I mean, her hobby is skydiving. That's that's fun. That's she she be clearly expensive. picked that up when she was married to Tom Cruise. Because he is be. an yeah. adrenaline yeah. junkie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no for question. sure. Next on the list is T-Swift, Taylor Swift, making snow globes. Uses mason jars, antiques, and glitter to fashion the gifts. Makes her feel like a kid again. Mm. That's yeah. very fitting for her. I feel like she probably gives those to people, and then they're, yeah. This is one I knew. Mike Tyson, He's uh, he does pigeon racing. What? Uh, he attends a pigeon pageant every year in Canada. He used to own, like, 2,500 birds. This, this goes back to his... Uh, his youth, I don't know if it was his childhood, but his youth, um, the building that he lived in had a pigeon coop up on the roof and he would go up there and, and feed all the pigeons and, and mess with them and stuff. So this, this is, he's been doing this for a long time. How did that work when he had the tiger? That I don't know. Maybe that's why he doesn't have 2,500 anymore. <laughs> okay. Angelina Jolie collecting daggers. That makes How does so this, much sense. Yeah. This so does not surprise sense. me at all. No. Yeah. She I'm is Tomb Raider. Yep. Beyonce makes her own honey. Is that why she has the nickname like Honey Bee and stuff like that? Yeah, the the, the Beehive is her fans. It's unfortunate she doesn't make lemonade because wasn't that the name of her album? I think so. <laughs> yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, the next one is Ryan Gosling. I love this one. This one is phenomenal. His hobby is knitting. He is quoted as saying, knitting is my perfect day. That is amazing. Wow. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to picture like, is he like on set and he's like doing this high energy action and he's just sitting there like oh i'm just decompressing i'm just knitting a little sweater for a I dog do, here I look know. i made you a hat okay leslie mann unicycling interesting uh, i have known a few people that have had this as a hobby it's never been something that i've wanted to even try i guess it's like it's it's therapeutic it's workout it's balance dangerous i'm sure it teaches you balance and and other stuff like that next on the list is vin diesel of fast and furious fame he is a dungeons and dragons mastermind i wonder what exactly makes you a dungeons and dragons mastermind like does that mean you win a lot of uh, the games i mean i was wondering is is he a a master does he prefer to to master the the quests so uh in that case you've got one person that's basically coming up with the story for the players and then the players react to the dungeon master's story so is he a dungeon master mastermind or is he just really good at playing is this the thing that you had like the dice and like you make oh yeah yeah Yeah. so i played this one time with my brother's friends and i was really excited about it i got my dice and they were pink and like they wrote me into the story and i was like yeah and then i realized like it is a major time commitment and so 
they then had to write me out of it and they left me in a village shopping. That is very on brand. <laughs> One time a, a co-worker, this was probably seven years ago, invited me over for a Magic the Gathering oh. game. It was miserable. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing and I, I just kept asking questions and I don't think they had fun with me. It was Because well, I think both those are very serious hobbies that like you can't just like dip your toe in it like I did. I'm like, oh, let's just try this. No, you're, you're in or you're out. Yeah. It's not like Yahtzee. It's like... Yeah, You're, you got to be committed. Hobby, Tom Hanks. He collects typewriters. If I you, knew that. Yeah, yeah I, I'm very aware of that. Not only does he collect typewriters, but frequently he uses one of his typewriters. I, I don't know how he selects which one to respond to fan mail. Oh, so I was about to ask, does he use them? Yeah, he'll type out a letter to a fan and then sign it Hanks. So Fine. he's, he's I, a. He's, I want to write Tom a letter. Yeah, just just write him letters until he writes me back. See, I mean, just go totally stand. Let's send on him, him one from Bullcast. See if he'll be on our show. Wow, we would skyrocket. <laughs> okay, and then uh, Katy Perry collecting other celebrities' hair. That's... Somehow that makes sense to me, too, because she is so kooky. Do y'all watch American Idol? Yes, I, yeah. I do she, occasionally she watch it. She crazy. I, I, like, does she have like little jars with their hair in it on like a shelf? I don't understand this. She's a witch. I mean, she. I could see it being like something that you cut off a lock of someone's hair, wrap it in a little circle, tape it into a photo album or something like that, a scrapbook, and then label underneath it, this is this person's hair. It's gross and creepy to me, but I could see it being in a book of some sort. And that's our list. Okay, so we've talked about what these celebrities do, which, you know, we've done the whole like TikTok episodes where everyone's idolizing celebrities and trying to find out what they're doing. But let's uh, talk about the real people. Sure. And I guess we're the Us. representation of the real we. people. We are real. <laughs> Again, we are a financial podcast. The we reason, are the world. <laughs> the reason why work-life balance is financially related, because I want to throw this <laughs> nugget in there right now, is the productivity aspect of it the burnout aspect of it, mm-hmm. that you want to be successful. You want to be in a position where you're working and obviously you're not going to get fired. So you're working hard enough that you're not going to get fired. But you also may be in a situation where you're working to a level that you're going to be promoted one day or something like that or get bonuses because a lot of times businesses have performance-based bonuses. But with it again is you can like every day I'll sit there and make my to-do list and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And it can be daunting that sometimes you have to take a step back. And so that's where the importance of having a healthy outlet, something you enjoy, probably something that is polar opposite from what you do in your day-to-day. Like Mm -hmm. if you're a lawyer and your hobby is reading law reviews, I don't know that that's a good break. That's probably a bad example, but you get what I mean? Like, you, you've got to find your sweet spot. Yeah, like your hobby needs to be non-work related. Is that what you're getting at? Non-work related, something that brings you joy. <laughs> Sparks joy. Sparks joy. So um, we'll kind of just keep that in mind and we'll keep peppering in some like financial aspects of it. But Cam. Yes? What is your hobby, your work-life balance philosophy? Philosophy. Well, I don't think it's a secret that I love disc golf. So I guess that plays a part in it. Uh, it gives me physical activity. It helps me shut my brain off. It's a game. Helps me get together with a few friends. I try to do that once a week, every weekend. And Abby and I have like a relationship balance. You know, since we've got three little kids, she goes for her run. She's a big runner early in the morning. And then when she gets back, I go play disc golf for a couple hours. And it works out really well. Uh, it helps me clear my mind and it makes me happy. It sparks joy. You're pretty adamant about it. I've seen you uh, posting on Facebook like, hey, Collierville, here'd be a great disc golf course. 
Yeah, I <laughs> I ended up signing, uh, not signing up, but um, applying to be on the parks board for Collierville because it was suggested <laughs> that if I do that, I may be able to say where the next disc golf course goes. So, Uh-oh, so is your hobby turning into it is, work it now? Is, it is. My work-life balance is now not balanced. Yikes. And that's, that's my problem. It's a slippery slope. It happens because you think about, I haven't done this in a while, but there's like those side gigs, people making cornhole boards. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but people who like enjoy doing things. And when you change something from a hobby to a job or it becomes a job, you've missed the whole point of what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be something that is a decompression. And whether it's, you know, like I enjoy like going to the movies when I can. Like I'm definitely failing in this market because, you know, work-life balance is something I need to work on. I love going to the movies. That's kind of my happy place. It's fun. But right now, you know, I used to say, oh, my balance would be throwing themed parties, throwing events on the side. And now that's become so much of a work and a stressor for me because I've become the go-to of baby showers, bridal showers, hosting neighborhood events, stuff like that, that it now is just another thing on my list it's a it's a separate job that i'm not getting paid for but there's then no downtime so that's something that i know i need to work on because if i don't have the time to kind of be me and reset then i'm gonna do everything half ass can i say that sure Sure. Yeah. (laughs) yeah we're on the same page because i love making logos it's like my zen but i have to do it on weekends and it eats up my weekend and then dealing with uh, the client and deadlines, it just it makes it not fun yeah. eventually. So it is a slippery slope, like you said. Your side hustle becomes a job. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's that your hobbies or your activity you like to do is going to evolve with your life. It's going to change with probably the seasons even at times. I don't know. Do you play disc golf all year round? All year round. Okay. Yeah. I only thought you did it when it was perfect conditions, not raining oh, in no, Maui. Baby girl. No, no, no. Rain, snow, sleet, I do it. But I mean that's I think that's cool that you've got that balance. You know this is what you're gonna do. And and I kind of saw when I was dancing all the time, like that was my outlet that I loved going up there. Even if it was like I had classes or I was teaching or something, it was where it was just me and the music and I didn't have to worry about what else was happening in the world. I'll be honest. I've been lacking trying to find that sweet spot of what I enjoy doing since then. What about you, Court? You haven't said much. What are, what are your evenings look like or your weekends? Is there a theme that I brings you joy? I mean, I don't like to talk about that right now because I, do, I don't genu- generally do much after work um, or on weekends uh, other than just sit and go over in my head over and over again the to-do list that I have for work and stress about it. So things have not been conducive to me really having, instead of having work-life balance per se, I I just brought my wife to where I work and that way (laughs) I can see her whenever I want and we can just both work all the time. It's great. It's um, balance. <laughs> but I've always gone in stages. You know, when after college for a while there, I was doing a lot of community theater. And so um, I would go and audition for a show and then you would have rehearsals for several weeks and then you, your show would go up. And when it was over, you would basically audition for your next show. 
Robin didn't much like that because a lot of that was going on when our kids were were young, young. And anybody who's done any sort of theater knows that, especially if you're doing community theater where it's not your full-time job, so you can't rehearse during the day, you're rehearsing at night. And a lot of times you're gone from like 7 to 10 p.m. at night, every night for five days a week. And that can, that can put a strain on your home life as well. It was a lovely hobby. And it's fun, you know, you get the attention of the masses and so forth anytime you get on stage. If you're that type of person that loves that kind of attention, then it's great. But eventually it sort of, um, it just, it was when I went to law school that I stopped doing theater because there was no way I could do law school and everything that that entailed and still do theater at the same time and still have any time with my kids. Um, Law school basically became my full-time job and it also was my after hours thing too. I would go to law school all day and then I would study and work at night as well whenever I wasn't doing something with a wife and kids. Uh, After law school, I finally decided I needed to get healthy. And so that's when I like, quit smoking and started riding a bike. And so for a while, my big thing was riding a bike. And then I went from that to running and I ran for a while. And then I had a a very minor injury that I thought I would bounce back from quickly, but I quit running for like a month while the injury healed and then just never started again. Um, And right now I don't really have much of anything. I watch TV, you know? I mean, I think it's a, it's it's hard. It's a discipline that you've got to do. So we're going to keep this conversation going, but really kind of explaining Work-life balance. It's the amount of time spent doing a job as compared to the amount of time spent with your family and on things you enjoy. Um, Before I get to the next one, I remember being younger and realizing you spend more time with your at your work than you do at home, and that's why it's kind of really at least awake. Yeah, Yeah, exactly awake because it's that's why it probably should become your work family and that you should probably enjoy what you're doing. Now, let me throw that one out there. You're not going to enjoy every day. That is a 1,000% reality that I need everyone to understand. There are going to be days that you are frustrated at work, that you may not be excited about jumping up in bed and going to work. But if generally overall you enjoy what you're doing, you feel like you're making a difference or you're you're serving some kind of purpose, then I think you need to have that because you do spend so much time with your work family that's away from your real family. Yeah, that's a big part of this. In the past couple of years, so I've got three small kids and they seem to be getting older and taller every single day. I mean, they're definitely getting older every day, but it's becoming more apparent to me. And so I'm not as eager these days to stay until six or seven at work like I used to. I mean, I do, but not as often because I don't want to miss this special time with my family and be like, what was I doing? It's balance, you know? Work is important, but also family. It's about being organized and prioritizing and knowing like, okay, well, I'm going to have to take off early tomorrow because one of my kids has a program. So I'm probably going to work a little bit extra today because I know I'm going to be off tomorrow. Or if I know that something big is going to be happening with my family or that I'm going to need some flexibility, then I'm going to make sure I've got my ducks in a row at work. Not every job is this way, but probably having that relationship and understanding with your work that if there was something that happened. For instance, I've never gone to our boss and said, hey, there's this going on with my child right now. I need to leave and have him say anything other than go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of the culture here Mm -hmm. is David always says family first. And it's not like you say, well, I've got this program, and he'll come back and say, well, you were sick last week, got to stay. He doesn't keep tabs. It's just like family, go, go. And with that, the way for that to happen and you not screw over your team is just having that teamwork philosophy. I think so much everyone feels like it's a a competition, 
It's, you know, if you teach somebody how to do your job or to help with things, then you're making you not as indispensable, I guess, valuable. But the reality, like I, I say all the time around here, like, Put notes in the system, you know, leave things that if you were hit by a bus, we would be able to pick up and take off where you are. Not saying that we're going to replace you, but just that we can still do our job and you can then focus on what you need to focus on. Stuff happens. And so being prepared for it is, it just makes sense. It's just yeah. common sense. Being prepared for, you know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. It's a, a saying for a reason, I guess. And, and I think it's the open communication as well. And again, I know not every place is like this, but you never know until you try. If you've got something that's brewing in your family, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, somebody has been in the hospital and it's, you know, could potentially go another direction. It's better to go ahead and tell your coworkers, your supervisor, something like, hey, I don't need to leave right now, but this is kind of going on. So in case something does change, I want you to be aware of it. And I think that's doing multiple things. That's showing respect for your company, for your coworkers, for your customers, clients, whoever it may be. But it's also, I think, easing a little bit of pressure off of you that you now have laid the groundwork that if something does happen, you've already told people. Now, we work in a, in a small office. So, you know, as a group, we can pretty much communicate with the entire office about anything that we needed to and prepare everybody. Like, obviously, if you work at a, at a huge, huge corporation that has hundreds and hundreds of employees, you're not going to be taking the same approach. But you can still at least let your immediate supervisor know what's going on, let your team know make sure that people know where all you, where you are in all of your projects and so forth so that if you did have to step away for some reason you can mm-hmm. this episode is more about work life balance <laughs> yeah we kind of so, we kind of spun a little yeah, bit but um, it- but the reason you i think the reason you went this direction is because people have talked about now not so much necessarily work life balance but work and life integration and of course mm-hmm. people love venn diagrams and so there's a <laughs> venn diagram that goes along with the idea of work and, and life integration going back if you don't remember that's this we've got four circles mm-hmm. and they're all overlapping and yep. so this is the work-life integration you know blending the personal and professional responsibilities so in one bubble we've got home and family we've got community career and health and well-being so the reality is they're all overlapping and i love this because that means that if there's one section of the four that is lacking or struggling then it's going to affect everything if you're not feeling well, you're, you know, you feel like mentally, physically, whatever it may be, it's going to affect your home and family. It's going to affect the community. It's your career and vice versa. Any of these circles, they're all going to impact. It's that whole ripple effect. And so that's why it's important. And I mean, there's so many memes out there of you can't do things with an empty tank or mm. things like that, that if you've only got, you know, just a little bit in the tank to pour, like there's not much you can give to spread to other people. And so that's that's a problem of people spreading themselves too thin, trying to do too much. Their hobbies may turn into work and you join a board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which is great. All three of us. <laughs> yeah. And I was just about to say, we may have some listeners who are saying, why is community a part of that Venn diagram? You're killing yourself by adding a fourth mm-hmm. circle. But it, I don't want to sound cheesy, it fills your tank. Like we all serve on multiple boards here. Community is a big part of our one of our pillars here mm-hmm. at Pickler Companies, uh, community engagement. And so I guess I'm just saying, like, it's, Im- it's important. You don't have to have it, but it fills your tank. And it could be, for some people, it could be community, meaning a community, your town, your people. 
For others, it could be just your tribe, your friend circle, your Dungeon and Dragons club, or something like that. It's it's your people. Yeah. Who are the people that you that you want to spend time with? And obviously, it all overlaps. I mean. There are people at work that are friends. There are people in the community that you rely on that are outside of work. You might have community people that are in your community that are also at work. I mean, it's it's all just one big blending together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we did our episode about the generations. And um, I think that, that was a lot of fun that we may have to still bring on our boomer representation and our true um, Gen Z representation to battle. But... This is what are, what are the generations? What are their definitions of work life balance? So we got the baby boomers, and because their parents lived through the Great Depression, boomers were often raised to embrace and value work hard. Many boomers took a job after college and stayed there for the majority of their careers. Boomers tend to be competitive with one another, but loyal to their employer. They're generally known for prioritizing their jobs above other aspects of their lives. For this 79 million strong demographic, work-life balance wasn't necessarily a goal. These workers could be tremendous assets to employers as they bring a strong work ethic and a wealth of experience to the job. And I mean, that that's to a T. Those are the people that are lifers that have been at these companies for so long and their loyalty. Take on Gen X, Court. Generation X. <laughs> Some social experts say that Gen Xers are the first generation in America to even utter the words work-life balance. <laughs> uh, Trendsetters. For some Gen Xers, work-life balance is as simple as leaving the office early once or twice a week to catch their kids' soccer game. For others, an ideal work-life balance means working from home one day a week to drive the kids to school or pick them up at the end of the day. These employees don't mind working long hours so long as employers recognize their contributions. The bottom line is Xers enjoy flexibility, but it doesn't take too much to make them happy. Interesting. How do you I, feel about that, Eeyore? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that, that that would be my take on my generation. Certainly not my take on me, but I have no reason to argue with these people. <laughs> I'm shocked with the working one day a week at home because I feel like that's kind of more of a newer thing. Yeah, that's. I get the soccer game the, thing, but yeah, get t- taking off early to go to go catch a game or something like that. I definitely see that being something that that we've done uh, and that our generation has been boomers as parents. The the dad didn't get home from work until night, and yeah. you know you saw him when he came through the door and and so forth. I think dads, uh, Gen X dads, tend to be a little little bit more involved and take off early or maybe that you know they, their wife is working too so my generation was the first generation as children to have both parents working but we're also the first generation because we as children had both parents working when we grew up and started becoming parents ourselves we made sure that parents were trying to even out the load of both home life, childcare, and work life because both parents are frequently out of the house. And so you see a lot more balancing of people taking time off from work. But in terms of the the whole remote working thing, I'm that's new. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a newer phenomenon, especially because it hasn't really come become possible until the last decade or two with internet the way it is now and so forth. I do have to throw out, you know, this is generalized of these generations. So, you know, dad, I think you're in the baby boomers and I know that you were at all our events and, you know, dance recitals, soccer games, all that stuff like that. It is generalized because I see myself in the two generations we've talked about so far. Mm-hmm. I almost asked myself, am I a boomer? <laughs> I really felt strongly about that. All right, millennials, their take on work-life balance. 
Millennials value flexibility among many things. For some millennials, work-life integration means matching up personal goals with professional ones. They're more likely to seek out companies that share their values, and they're more inclined to work for employers that offer opportunities to blend work with socialization. To avoid blurring the line between work-life and personal time, Employment experts say millennials should make an effort to prioritize personal goals and keep them separate from professional ones. Many millennials put an emphasis on their life outside of work and prefer to work smarter, not harder, placing great value on vacation time, telecommuting, and casual dress options. I mean, I can kind of agree with a good bit of this. And I know here we try and make that a priority. If people want to be on boards or they want to you know, do things, then it's just communication. Tell us what's going on and let's let's prioritize. And obviously, don't try and do it right in the middle of a big project or big, you know, client day. Mm. You know, I think that's maybe that is the millennials where we started to have the like office happy hours or like the team building because you are spending so much more time with these people. And so, but then again, it's one of those that like, I mean, I, I y'all are my best friends and I work with y'all, but yeah. so we're not the best examples. And I think this hit on it a little bit. For millennials and I think Gen Zers, when you are job hunting, it's not so much about, okay, this fits my my capabilities. I want it. We kind of look for culture too. Mm -hmm. The younger generations do. Does it match my values? And Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think it's much more culture because you, you want to be at a place that is going to work with you and be understanding when there's times that you've got to leave or you know, supports you with different things. Like I know we, we've rallied behind several staff members here if they've got outside things and support them. And okay, let's do the last one. Gen Z's. The oldest of them are just now entering the workforce, but a recent Randstad report indicated they'll be much like millennials in their work-life balance. In addition, stress levels related to financials and healthcare are reporting a top concern for this generation. So Gen Z employees are predicted to be very interested in a robust healthcare plan from an employer and opportunities to earn raises to support their lifestyle outside of work. Interesting. Because that is real interesting. Well, well healthcare. Healthcare is, healthcare price, guys, it's I cannot insane. even express to you how crazily healthcare prices and premiums for health insurance have just skyrocketed in the last few decades. Mm -hmm. It is just unbelievable. I, I just can't even tell you the way it affects businesses, especially small businesses. If you as an employer try to provide your employees with, with health benefits, um, either individual or some places do family, boy, if you provide family coverage these days, you are spending an arm and a leg on each mm -hmm. one of your employees to provide that family coverage. It is expensive as all get out. Imagine if you're a person looking for a job who has a young family just starting out and you want to you want to provide that health care. If your employer doesn't pay for coverage for the family or doesn't pay for individual coverage, just offers it, then what are those premiums and how is that going to look to you and how much is it going to cost you? And that's very much a part of people what people consider when they when they talk about salary and so forth. They're not just interested in how much is my salary. They're also interested in how much am I going to have to pay for health care? What is the 401k? What is all of that stuff? So that part to me is interesting just because I've seen it firsthand the way these rates are just killing people. It's highway robbery. Yep. I mean, both the millennial and Gen Z, I think, kind of blend together. And it's that I've heard common phrases and memes and stuff like that out there about, I'm not going to kill myself for my job. You know, I'm going to have that balance. Although it's funny, there's a Lady Gaga quote that stuck with me when I was younger. And it was a different time of her life. And she said, your career is never going to roll over in the middle of the night and tell you they don't love you anymore. And that really stuck with me. 
Sorry, Daniel. But um, it's just, to me, I think there's people kind of have different mindsets. It's the work to live or live to work. And that's very cliche. And it's kind of like the work hard, play hard. There's all these phrases out there, but like, what does it truly mean to you? And I guess that's what this episode really is about is what are your goals? What are your priorities? What are your personal and professional? And I think David really does a good job of pushing us to every year set those goals. And then the following year, we look back at what we put. How are we trending? And it's because I think you always need to be bettering yourself and figuring out what are your professional goals and what are your personal goals. And that kind of goes hand in hand with your work-life balance of, are you filling all the different buckets? Are you handling the family bucket, the community, the work, the, what was our fourth one? Health. Health, <laughs> health and wellness. And wellness. Yeah. yeah. Are you handling that, that whole one? Thing. That yeah. Whole so thing. work, work, speaking of health and wellness, <laughs> work-life balance as talked about, as discussed by the Mental Health America, um, there's a quote here that says, while we all need a certain amount of stress to spur us on and help us perform at our best, the key to managing stress lies in that one magic word, balance. Not only is achieving a healthy work-life balance an attainable goal, but workers and businesses alike see the rewards. When workers are balanced and happy, they are more productive, take fewer sick days, and are more likely to stay in their jobs. And if you have higher stress, because I don't feel like we really touched on that before I read that quote, but if you have higher stress, it's bad for your health. Yep. It can kill you. You know, if you live a life that's just full of stress, it's you know, it's it's a, a cause of heart disease. It's a cause of all sorts of stuff that sounds really, really terrible to me. So keeps you up at night, so you're not sleeping. I mean, which it, it, basically everything that I have stress, not sleeping, all of that stuff. They're like, oh yeah, no, that's bad. You should you should stop that. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> Y'all better keep an eye on me. <laughs> full of stress over here. Oh gosh. Okay, so steps to a healthy work slash life balance at work. So one, set manageable goals each day. Being able to meet priorities helps us feel a sense of accomplishment and control. The latest research shows that the more control we have over our work, the less stress we get. I've got to throw in right here. I know this is saying geared more towards work, but as I started this episode, I'm very overwhelmed with the holidays um, because I, I have to travel a couple of times over the next couple of weeks. I've got an event at my house, I think every weekend in December. So there's just a lot of stress getting done. Mm. I made a to-do list yesterday. And like usually mine are very like holistic. It's not holistic. That's not the right word. It's like decorate the house, you know, mm. do the laundry. I put shower, decorate this one section, do mm. that. And that's like, my husband was like, why is shower on your list? I'm like, because I, I need to like mark something off. I need to feel accomplished. And so I think that's set manageable goals. And if it's, I mean, if it's something of like, did you make the bed? Did you tie your shoes? I mean, I know that sounds silly, but I think there's the... There's those endorphins of like, ooh, I did something off the list. I checked it off instead of just like, I need to buy Christmas gifts. Put, I need to buy Court's Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. I need to buy Cam's Christmas gift. So then, yes, your list looks longer, but then you start accomplishing more. Yeah. Yeah, those measurable goals, it's, it reminds me of our SMART goals. We're mm -hmm. big believers in SMART goals here. SMART being an acronym for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. David appreciates SMART goals because it maps it out. Like, is this possible? When can it get done? How is it going to get done? Mm -hmm. Realistic is the big thing. And I, I've started doing that because, and I don't know if other people are like this, if you're about to go out of town or some big event's about to happen, I then try and do everything under the sun. I'm like, I got to get everything done. And it doesn't happen. And so I've started prioritizing my list of things I've got to get done 
and things I'd like to get done. Mm-hmm. And that really helps me because then it's like, I have to get these things done before I leave town. But it'd be great if I got this done too. Step number two to a healthy work-life balance. Be efficient with your time at work. When we procrastinate, the task often grows in our minds until it seems insurmountable. So when you face a big project at work or home, start by dividing it into smaller tasks. Complete the first one before moving on to the next. Give yourself small rewards upon each completion, whether it's a five-minute break or a walk to the coffee shop. Yeah. Uh, Again, an interesting thing. I know I have read somewhere recently that the amount of time that you should actually sit at your desk just working on your computer is actually a relatively short amount of time. They recommend that you you even just stand up for a few minutes. And I don't do this. This is, I think, a bit much. But I swear the article said something like every 15 minutes you should be getting up and moving around. So, you know, you're giving yourself tasks that are accomplishable in 15 minutes. So if you're writing if you're writing a, a, a memo that's mm-hmm. going to be long, then you say, okay, I need to I need to write the next two paragraphs and then I'll stretch or whatever. I can't do that because if I lose focus on something that I'm working on, it takes me forever to get back to yeah. where whatever it was I was doing. This is probably the best advice in my opinion here because I find myself so many times getting overwhelmed by a project and mm-hmm. I don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. It just split it, it into small tasks. It yeah. becomes paralyzing if there's so much and that's why you've got to just like bite size like what can you do and that's why it's like, look at the low hanging fruit. Look at those easy little simple tasks that, yeah, may not be the top of the top priority, but it needs to get done. Go ahead and do that because you'll feel accomplished. And, you know, one of the things I didn't say on here that I used to do and I haven't done in a while, but I, uh, in my other job would kind of, if I was stressed, I would break up the day and go onto IMDb and watch like upcoming movie trailers. Mm-hmm. Let myself do that for, you know, a couple of minutes, like watch two or three trailers and then get back into work. And so it was kind of one of those, it's shift my focus, see what's coming up, get excited. And then it's like, okay, ready to go mm-hmm. back into this. And then it's, you know, you have something to talk about with your coworkers later on in the day. If you see them passing, going to the bathroom or in the kitchen or something. Okay, next on the list is ask for flexibility. Research shows that employees who work flexible schedules are more productive and loyal to their employers. This is an interesting one for me, especially because I'm a huge, huge proponent of flexible schedules because um, I know, for instance, that I'm way more productive after say, noon on any given day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first half of my day, when I start at eight o'clock in the morning, the first half of my day, a lot of times I feel like is, you know, I could have, I could have done better. I could have done more. I could have focused better, whatever. But, you know, we also, I I fully recognize we're in an industry that is largely driven by the timing of the market and the market opens at 830 and closes at three. So you can't exactly say, oh, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not, I'm not going to start my day until 10 when you're an hour and a half into the market after, if, you, if you're waiting until 10 a.m. to start. But Katie, I know you and I have talked a lot about the fact that we're dealing with, we're a far more national firms or even global firm. And so we're dealing with people that are in vastly different time zones than we are. So it almost makes sense to have that flexible schedule, but just because of that, because you've got to have people that are basically available for huge swaths of the day. Even if your eight to five is central time zone, you might be dealing with somebody's eight to five that's, uh, you know, that's on the West Coast or that's in England. I don't know. I mean, it... 
So I'm kind of torn because I'm like, yeah, no, this makes sense. Total flexibility or at least some flexibility for people would be better. And it might even help us better. But then at the same time, I'm like, ah, but this is this is our office schedule. Mm-hmm. This is when we do our work. And so I don't know. I don't know. What do you all think? I mean, I see, see both sides of it because I do think like even temporarily, temporary flexibility of if, you know, your wife's out of town and you need to help with the kids. Like, hey, for the next two weeks, I'm going to need to come in late and leave early. Mm. Okay, well, you know, you set that standard ahead of time. I mean, I do think that some people are moving different directions. But yeah, in our in our industry, we almost need people here. I mean, in some regards, 7 a.m. to 8, 9 o'clock yeah. at night, yeah. and, which is not reality. And it's not fair to ask the same person to be here at 7 as we ask to still be here at 8 p.m. And so I think that's, again, balance. Mm. <laughs> and it's like kind of a case-by-case thing. And it's... I don't know. I guess... Give me the smarts again. Specific, measurable, achievable, achievable. realistic, and timely. See, I think you almost... If you were really going to... As a company, coming at it from the opposite... I mean, like, if I'm just one employee and I go to my employer and say, hey, I need flexibility then that's very easy for me to do. But coming coming at it from the employer's perspective, I think you almost have to sit down and really realistically see how could you work your schedule so that you can have the flexibility that you need. Because just giving just giving everybody flexibility all willy-nilly, I can tell you for, in my experience, it, it leads to a lot of... Taking advantage of it. Yeah, well, you can get taken advantage of. It can be crazy. You don't know where anybody is. So you would really need kind of a, a smart schedule if you were going to do that. And I think it's more than just saying, okay, yeah, we can be flexible for you. I think it, it would really require a team effort you know (laughs) bottom line i think that's a it's a team effort thing well and it's you know kind of rolling with the the flexibility part of it like how i was saying your generation court was the one that wanted the work from home things but i feel like that's more of a newer thing Mm -hmm. i think again that's a cultural thing does it fit with a company does it does it make sense to them and there's a ton of companies that are not going back to the work buildings they're doing it all from home but like in our industry, we're so high touch, we're with our clients, and we are a team, and we each little part that different people do all add together to the puzzle. So it would be harder if some of our key people were at home all the time. That's with our firm. I wouldn't say that that is our industry no, per se. True. Because our industry, a lot of a lot of the, the larger firms in our industry have gone to uh, work from home, remote working, and a lot of them have been staying that way long after it was generally felt that it was safe to come back to the workplace. So, but yeah, we, we definitely, our business philosophy is very much about client contact and and high touch and seeing people and being visible. And that becomes very difficult if you're sitting at home. Yeah. Our clients value the face-to-face. That's part of our culture. They can walk in at any time and see us. Okay. Next on the list. So, uh, take five small breaks, help clear your head. We've talked about this a lot, like how I'll just go and watch a new movie trailer or you can just like take a walk. That's what I do. I walk around the lake, which we're staring at right now. Mm. <laughs> Number five, tune in. Listen to your favorite music at work to foster concentration, reduce stress and anxiety, and stimulate creativity. I have a uh, soundtrack playlist I listen to all the time while I work. I cannot mm. listen to music with lyrics while I work. Is I've it, never been able to. Is it like Pandora has the scores, mu- movie scores? It's similar. Which is th- th- awesome. This one I've created myself, just my favorite okay. uh, composers. Mm. 
Yeah, because it's like you, you'll listen and you're like, oh, I recognize that. And it kind of like gets you a little distracted and then you're back to it. But it'll be like, oh, that's Harry Potter or Indiana Jones or mm. Star Wars. Uh, we, we sort of touched on this one already. Next is communicate effectively. Be honest with colleagues or your boss when you feel you're in a bind. Chances are you're not alone. We talked about this the other day, Court. Yeah. When I feel just over the limit or stressed to the max and I'm kind of paralyzed, sometimes I'll just go to David and be like, David, I, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what the, the biggest priority is. Help me. And he'll sit down and he'll be like, okay, this can wait. This can, and it, it helps me to just be transparent with them and be like, David, I'm struggling. Yeah. And I think that's across the board. I know you may feel like you don't have that relationship with your supervisor, manager, boss, whoever it may be. But I think even maybe with the coworker, just like, Hey, do you have a couple minutes just to talk through this with me? And it helps then just like saying stuff out loud and you, it may click in your own head of like, Oh, I should probably do this. Just having that break of that sounding board. It reminds me of that fairly recent term, uh, bandwidth. It's corporate jargon. Mm. Um, I don't have enough bandwidth. Do you all hear that? I have not ever it heard kind of it in this office. It plays into but... this when you're maxed out. I don't have bandwidth. Mm. It's that corporate jargon. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, the last one, give yourself a break. Allow yourself to be human and do the best you can. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it's a very, they're very soft. Uh, it's a very touchy, buttery point. <laughs> you be, you know, yeah. Okay. I, I, I get that. It's. It's it's good advice, I guess, but um, it's just not it's not my philosophy. Uh, you know, I can't. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I like to beat myself up. No, I don't. I don't. Nobody likes to beat themselves up. But I I have a bullseye. If y'all are ready. Okay, it's a sure. great time for a bullseye. Okay, so things that I've walked away from with this episode thinking about is communication is key. That is the biggest thing. Whether it's you're communicating that you. Uh, have something going on and maybe you're feeling like your balance isn't in sync or maybe you are overwhelmed and need help prioritizing or just having that open communication with who you are working with, who you are spending a ton of time with that we've talked about. Cause I mean, you're, you're at work for some people eight to five and then you go home and you know, I don't know what time you go to bed, but you're probably going to bed at a reasonable hour. Unlike some of us in here who go to bed at very, very late, but you you need to have that communication. The other thing is going to be that it's you've got to find out what fits you, uniquely you. Disc off is Cam's thing, but you know, if I was to do disc off, it would stress me out because I'd want to be good at it and I'm not good at it. I try and it just makes me mad and then I've got disc in the tree and I'd probably break my neck trying to get it out of a tree. So you have to find what fits for you. And with that, you have to find what fits for you for work and prioritizing family, community, health and wellness. And it's going to be constantly evolving with what is happening in your life. Someone like me, I don't have any kids right now. If I was to have kids, I'm sure everything would change and I'd have to readjust. And so I think it's being, you know, we talk about flexibility in here. You need to be flexible with yourself and you need to give yourself some grace that hey, step back. Things are, I don't have any bandwidth, as Cam said. I don't have any bandwidth for this. What do I need to do to reset? Because you are going to not be productive if you're just sitting there so stressed out. You've got that Eeyore dark cloud above your head. Just say, it is worth the time to rebalance, to sit there, you know, restart. You restart your computer when it's acting crazy. Restart yourself. Bullseye. My bullseye goes back to something Court said a little earlier. It's kind of stuck with me because I feel it. He was talking about how he doesn't hit his stride until noonish. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, ten noon, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, we all know our own strengths and weaknesses when it comes to our workflow. 
so only you can decide. But I feel like if you are the most creative at noon, like you're not creative any, any time before that, maybe focus in the mornings on things that are not creative, like answering mm-hmm. emails. Just uh, fix your workflow based on your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Bullseye. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, just sort of rolling off of that, That's this isn't really my bullseye, but I had a, a guy that, that one time said, you know, first thing in the morning is the, the most productive time for me. So I don't even open my email first thing in the morning because that's just a distraction. And, you know, I want to get stuff done. And I'm like... You know, that is just not my my brain is not I can't come in and sit down and immediately start working on some major project because that's when I'm most productive because that's not when I'm most productive. So I do exactly the opposite. I come in and check my emails and respond to stuff because that's something that I can do. And it's mm-hmm. it's very discreet. One email at a time. You're just, you know, sitting there reading, responding. I do that for a lot of times. I have enough email that that can take up the first hour of my day. Yeah. And then I can start slowly but surely rolling into more difficult tasks that I know I'm going to need to accomplish over the day. But again, like I said, that's not really my bullseye. My bullseye is something that I've said over the course of many, many episodes. Many times I've said something similar to this and it applies to this topic as well. Anytime we discuss topics like stress or focus or smart tasks or you know budgeting, anything like that, what does it really require? for you to accomplish a work-life balance or for you to accomplish any of those other things. It takes conscious effort, okay? The reason half of these topics we bring up is just because we're like, are you thinking about this? Are you aware that this is a thing that you should consciously be making an effort to accomplish? And whether it's just simple work and life balance and there is a straight line between the two and never the twix shall meet, or if you're more about work and life integration and you're seeing a Venn diagram in your future, think about how you're actually going to accomplish that. These elements that we've talked about today, they're just elements of the overall picture. And the overall picture is how are you going to stay healthy? How are you going to stay engaged with your family? How are you going to be productive at work? And then how are you going to interact with those people around you that you consider your friends in your community. Be conscious of it first. Start with that and then make sure that you're actually making an effort and that'll get you at least part of the way to your goal. Uh, That is my bullseye. And there's the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie Cameron, go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can leave a comment. You can suggest a topic if you want to hear us talk about something. Or you can even throw your name in the hat to be selected as a potential guest on our episode if you feel like you've got something that you would be particularly well-suited to talk about. We also have pictures. If you like pictures, boy, do we have pictures. Those pictures are on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And we have a Twitter handle. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. We also have a page on Facebook. You can check us out there. And finally, you've heard us talk about our boss today, David Pickler. You know the three of us work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about what it is we do, the financial advisory services that we offer, our amazing team, and our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you a whole lot of information. You know what to do with it. For now, I'm going to sign off. I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we're out.